of some of my kids. Perhaps, I don't know. Look at there. Woo! That's Nolan. Amen. Look at there, Heidi. And, and I know it's sad because everybody can't, uh, can't show these up here, but it's just part of the position, I guess. But So uh, there we go. I just have to take 30 seconds here to just look at them and say God has truly blessed me. Amen? And he truly has. And, you know, but he's blessed each and every one of you. It's not just um, my children, but it's your children as well. And there's my dad, if you don't know him, uh, had a stroke the Friday before Easter, but that, that's him recently. I've done a wedding two weeks ago. It was my sister's, and my dad was there. And uh, he's doing really well driving again now, so I give the Lord praise for that. And I thank you for your prayers. And I thank you for enduring while I shared with you. And uh, it'd be nice if we could see all of them. Let me just say this. Take time, dads, to, uh, to, to say something to your children. Children, take time to say something to your dad today. Uh, that relationship can never be replaced. And so I'm grateful for all of the four children I have and the five grandchildren. And I'm going to tell you, there's a reason they put grand in front of their names. Amen. There's something about life begins with those grandchildren. Amen. So I welcome some of y'all to the club. I know the Browns. They just now, yeah, Lord, I saw them walking, had to duck coming through the door because the head was so high. Amen? That's part of it. But happy Father's Day to you fathers. We love and appreciate you. And you have a tremendous role in, in the life of those children and, and your spouse as well. Uh, today I want to talk with you about learning to trust your father. I want to show you another picture of me and Adam. And uh, about a couple of months ago, I was working on a uh, tandem instructor rating as a skydiver. Some of you know I've been doing that about 12 or 13 years. And that's Adam sitting right in front of me. He's hooked to me. You can see that harness. And in just a moment, the door is going to open. And you're going to see us sitting there. There we are. Um, just about to exit 10,000 feet over the city of Jacksonville. and. To give you a little bit, you say, now wait a minute, now what's that got to do with this message? Well, I'm talking today about learning to trust your father. Now, while we were on the ground, I gave Adam a harness and you saw that he had it on. In other words, I wanted to give him uh, something in order to keep him real close to me. Some of you can already hear the spiritual overtones. And... Um, so I gave him that harness, and I looked at that harness one time and two times and three times, and I adjusted it one time and two times and three times, and I made 100% sure that that thing was absolutely serviceable and good to go and ready to go, and I harnessed him up. Not only did I check it, I had another instructor look at it just to make doubly, triply sure that I had it all worked out. And then as we're climbing, it takes about 20 minutes to get to 10,000 feet, about 7,000 feet, uh, I started wrenching down. Uh, pulling him close to me, as tight as I could get it. And then I would say, Adam, I want you to take this strap, and on three, I want you to pull with me. One, two, three, and we would pull, and it would sandwich our hips together close. And then I'd do the other side, reach up, and I hook the top. And then I went through my sequence, and I said, Adam, the bottom right is hooked up. The bottom left is hooked up. The top right is hooked up. The top left is hooked up. And then I went through everything else. I have the drogue in place, the primary, the secondary, the breakaway, uh, the reserve, and the reserve static line. All the handles are good to go. I'm ready to skydive. Are you ready to skydive? And he said, I'm ready to skydive. I said, all right, I got to hear that in order to go. So nonetheless, I said, what's going to happen in just a moment? The door's going to open up, and we're going to slide all the way back 
And then we're going to turn just a little bit. And I'll do it this way. Say the plane's flying that way. We're going to turn, or, or that way. We're going to turn just a little bit. There's a step out there, and I'm going to put my feet out there, and I want you to put your feet out there. And I want you to scoot all the way out and lay your head back on my shoulder and relax. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron that you're 10,000 feet about to leave the safety of an airplane, and I'm asking you to relax. So, well, anyway, nonetheless, um, I said, if you will relax and lay your head back on my shoulder, it's going to be ready, set, and then out we go and arch. And I said, if you'll arch, in five seconds, I'll have a stable. I'll set the drogue. Enjoy the ride. I'll check my handles, and for 40 seconds, we'll fall, and then I'll release the main parachute, or I'll open the main parachute, and we will uh, have a five to seven minute parachute ride to the ground. If the first one don't work, we'll cut it away and open the second one. Well, thank God everything worked fine. Knock on wood, right? What I'm saying is this, but I say to him, lay your head back on my shoulder and trust me. I got this. If you'll just relax. Now, I, I said that I give him everything to keep him close to me. I want to tell you, God has given us everything for us to stay close to him. And he's asked us to just do a few things. He says, trust me, I got this. He says, you can rest in me. I've got this. I gave Adam goggles to keep things out of his eyes like a bug or any wind that would mess with your eyes at 120 miles an hour and all that stuff. So I gave him everything. And I want to tell you, God has given us everything. And I want to tell you, it's a daunting task to look and say, ooh, that's a long way. But let me say, in your situation today, you might be looking down and at, at an insurmountable task and saying, can I trust the Father? And the Father says, lay your head back on me and just relax. I got this. So I want to talk to you about learning to trust your Father. You can go with me, if you will, to Genesis 15, and I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to tell the story. But if, you, if you're wondering about all this, just read Genesis 15 through 21 when you get home, and, and you can check out everything I say there. But in Genesis chapter 15, we're going to find that God, visits Abraham, his name is Abram at the time, and carries him by vision out underneath the stars. And he, um, he says to Abram, look up and see the stars of the heavens. If you could count them, then uh, you could count your descendants. And, um, but Abram said, Father, I, I don't understand how I'm going to be the father of many he says, because you're going to be the father of a great nation, of many nations, and leaders are going to come out of you. And but Abraham says, how can that be, Father? Because I go childless, and the only heir I have is Eliezer, a servant that's in my house. I don't even have a child. Abram is 75 years old at this time, and the Lord says, it is going to pass. It's going to come to pass, just like I said. And he says, um, uh, I'm going to give you the fruit of your own loins. And so time passes by, and then he uh, comes to him in Genesis chapter 18. We find the Lord. In fact, in 17, the Lord come back to Abram, and he spoke to him and says, you're going to have a son. Well, let me tell you what had happened in the meantime. When Abraham told his wife Sarah they were going to have a child, you got to think, Abraham was 75 years old. She was 65. Now, that's pretty old, you know, uh, to be having children. But nonetheless... After a, a number of years, when Abraham was 86 years old, Sarah decided to help God out. 
And Sarah said, look, the Lord has promised this. He said, she said, I'm going to have my handmaiden, Hagar. Uh, that was a servant that was in the house, an Egyptian girl. He said, she said, uh, when you come home tonight, I want you to go in unto my handmaiden, Hagar, sleep with her. Now, I don't know how many wives would, would be able to do that, but this is what Sarah had planned. And she said, uh, go in unto my handmaiden, Hagar, and the child we will raise as the heir that God's talking about. And the Bible says Abraham went in unto her, and she got pregnant. And the Bible says when Sarah realized, or Sarai at the time, uh, realized that Hagar was pre pregnant, she began to despise her, and she got mad at Abraham. And she said, Abraham, it is because of you that this all, it's all because of you. Now, wait a minute. Brothers, let me help you. This didn't just start. This has happened way back. The father of faith, Abraham, his wife asked him to do something, and he went in and done it, and then she got mad at him. It's all right to laugh. It's Father's Day. She, she'll give you a break right now. So, so anyway, Sarah got mad, and again, really, she's mad because she's barren. She can't have children. And it's not so much that she's mad as that she really wants a baby and whatever, but nonetheless, <laughs> things go bad. They, she ends up kicking Hagar out and all that. But the Lord comes back to Abram <laughs> in chapter 17 of Genesis and says, you're going to be a father of many nations, and I'm going to make your name great and all this. And uh, <laughs> Abram says, do you realize how old I am now, God? So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 99 now, um, you know, and oh, that Ishmael might uh, live before thee because Ishmael now is about 13, 14 years old. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you because that was the son born to him and Hagar. And, but the Lord says, no, 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 Ishmael will be great, but I have promised you the fruit of your own loins, a, a child, a male child from you and Sarai. And, and he's like, <laughs> Lord, I, just, I ain't believing what I'm hearing. He said his name's going to be called Isaac because it means laughter. And then in Genesis 18, three heavenly beings came, and I believe Jesus was one of them. In Genesis 18, they come to the tent door in the heat of the day, and, and, and he's talking to Abraham, and Abraham said, man, let me make y'all a sacrifice. He realized it was the Lord. He said, I've come down to talk with you and, and to share some things with you. And he says, where's Sarah? Well, she's in the house. Well, I want you to know that uh, about this time next year, she's going to have a baby. Sarah behind the, the door. <laughs> she laughed. I'm going to have a baby, right? She's 89 years old. She would be 90 when Isaac is born. She's <laughs> because her and Abraham sit around and drink coffee and sing precious memories. I'm just, that's conjecture on my part. I don't know that that's the case, but, you know, I mean, I mean, really, 99 years old and 89 years old, and they're getting together, and, and, and but the Lord says, hey, his name shall be called Isaac because you and Abraham laughed. But I'll have the last laugh. Next year he'll be here. And he changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many. And he changed Sarai's name to Sarah, which meant beautiful princess. And guess what? The father of many got together with the beautiful princess. And next year, a hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old mama had a baby. He got his groove back. I don't know what the deal was, but I'm simply saying, oh, 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 y'all, let me help you. Did you know verse 14 says that God asked Abram who laughed, is there anything too 
hard for the Lord. That might be a daunting task for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to have a baby, but I want to tell you God is the giver of life, and if God says you're going to have a baby, you might as well buy a crib. Hello? So guess what? His name means laughter. And I want to tell you, I want to talk to you today about Isaac's God. I want to talk to you about Isaac learning to trust his father. Oh man, I didn't say it in the first service because the time wasn't well, it didn't allow me. But there came a time when Abraham got ready to go worship God, and God wanted to test him. He said, "Go up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice unto me." So guess what he did? He took Isaac, and the Lord says, "The sacrifice is going to be your boy." Isaac, he's about, scholars say, 17 to 20 years old. Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him to me. Wait a minute, I waited on him for 25 years. God created a miracle because I was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And we had this baby, and now, God, you ain't making no sense. You're saying, kill him. And, but nonetheless, he took him up there. And, and, and I believe, y'all just humor me a moment, because, um, you know, for a 17- to 20-year-old boy, I believe he could whip a 100-year-old man. I just think he probably could. I think he could outrun him if he didn't have to whip him. You know, I just believe that. But I believe Isaac laid down on the altar, symbolic of the way Jesus would say, nobody took my life, but I laid it down. And, of course, a ram was coming up the other side, and Abraham come down with a knife, and the Lord said, do not hurt the lad. I know that I can trust you. Amen. I believe Isaac grew up knowing that I can trust my father. Amen. Not only my father Abraham, but I can trust my heavenly father. He named that mountain Jireh. He said, it is there that God provided for me. Now, let me help you all with something. I don't know if you know what the Abrahamic covenant was, but the covenant that God told Abram that I make with you. He said, I make a covenant with you to give you the land whereon you are. I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make you a great father. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He says, and here's what I want you to do. This was back when Ishmael was 13 years old. He said, but the sign of the Abrahamic covenant is this. Every male born on the eighth day of his life shall be circumcised and named and dedicated to the Lord. Now this hit me in my study. Now y'all just humor me for a moment. I personally believe that our relationship with God is a private thing between me and God. Now you're going to see the fruit of my life. Are you with me? You're going to say, well, he acts like a Christian. He does good deeds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But see, because this right here is the symbol of my marriage. I'm married to Kelly. You, you get that? But what if some... You know, man come up and said, well, I love God and I'm part of Abraham's covenant. What you going to do, Sarah? Let me see. You see, because circumcision was the removal of the foreskin, we still do that today. And I know some of y'all are freaked out now, but let's just talk about this. Because I don't think they walked around showing themselves to say that I'm part of the Abrahamic covenant. I believe it was between the man and God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You see, that's just my personal take on it. But, but, but the circumcision was there. And the Bible says Abram was 90 years old when he was circumcised and Ishmael was 13. And all the servants of his house were circumcised in the same day. That was the, the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, thank God that covenant was fulfilled. And Paul later said, neither does circumcision or non-circumcision or Jew nor Greek or this or male nor female. None of that matters anymore. 
We don't have to prove nothing to anybody, but I believe that was a type and a shadow of saying that my relationship with God is based on my heart, and I ain't got to show you anything. Let me move on. Here's what today I think we need to know. I think you need to know that God has made us some promises. God has said, I will go with thee. He said, I will be with thee. He said, I will provide for thee. I will be your healer. He has said he will hear us. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will direct us. He will deliver us. And if I look at Abraham's life, I find God leading, guiding, directing. Now, I also find some mishaps in his life. I find where Sarah lied and said, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, oh, but you did laugh. But I'll get the last laugh. And then, of course, the italics there are mine. But... I'll get the last laugh because next year you are going to have a boy, and you did. His name was Isaac. It means laughter because she laughed and because he laughed. But when I look at Isaac, I can see a young boy that learned to trust his daddy and his heavenly father. Um, and let me just say this. I, I just thought about this. I believe also we could think of Isaac in this regard. When God looks at the daunting task that's facing you or that you're looking at, I think God just laughs at it. Some of us are looking at old milestones. Man, I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to get my job back. I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to get out of this legal mess. I don't know about this. And I, don't, I don't know about that. And God says, <laughs> if I could just get them to lay their head back on me and rest in me and relax in me and trust me, knowing that I call the things that be not even as though they are. I'm a God that can do it. Uh, well, it's important to know that because the promise that he made for us is not just for me. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for good men or good women. It's not just for special people, but it's for whosoever will. It's important. Listen, the only qualification, the only qualifier for the promise is you must believe. You got to believe in him. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter the color of my skin. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks I come from or currently live on. It doesn't matter what degree I have or have not. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. And he's made some wonderful promises. He's made some promises uh, to me. He, he made some promises when, that day when he talked to Abraham. He said, I'm going to fulfill this covenant with you. And I'm going to tell you this. Not only did he say that, in Genesis 15, when Abraham had built that big sacrifice, or Abram had, the Lord God also prophesied to him in a vision and said, let me tell you something, Abraham. In the fourth generation, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He said in the fourth generation, this is, this is years before it happened, in the fourth generation, my people will go down into Egypt in bondage and they will be in bondage for 400 years and then I'll hear the cry of my people and I will rescue them out of Pharaoh's hands. Are y'all hearing me? He prophesied this before it happened. We have a good father. So what he says is no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it looks. I mean, I mean, a daunting task is 400 years of slavery. Amen. A daunting task is some of the things that, that are, we're facing right now. And we're looking at that and saying, oh, no. But you got to understand we've got a good, good father. you got to understand that we can just simply say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my life is in your hands. I think about a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. You remember Jehoshaphat? He was leading Israel. He was a prophet there. Uh, and he, 
there was an army, actually three armies had come up against them. And he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Here's what I do know. We're going to put our eyes on the Lord. We're going to put our faith in the Lord. And we're going to trust the Father. And guess what? You know what he did? When they come to do battle, they didn't get out the spears and the knives and the staves and the bows. He said, uh, what I'm going to do is call the praise team. And so in planning center, he went in there and asked them all to show up. Now, I don't know how God done it back then, but he got all the praise team, all of the singers, all the musicians. He said, what we're going to do now is this. I know we got three kingdoms, and I know there's people that's wanting to kill us, and I know they're on the other side, but we ain't even going to worry about that. I know we've got these kind of messages and that kind of message and what they're going to do and all of the threats. He said, but what I want y'all to do on, on, on D-Day, what I want you to do is to sing your best song. It might have been good, good father. He said, I want you to learn how to do battle with your praise. And God said, if you will do that, and I'm going to tell you what happened. Those people came forward. The Levites began to sing. They began to play the instruments and, and dance before the Lord and worship the Lord. And the Bible said that God caused the enemy to hear things that really wasn't there. God caused the enemy to, to think about things and see things that really wasn't there. I'm telling you, God can take the most uh, terrible situation, the most daunting task, and you're looking at it saying, in no way in the world I'm going to get through this alive. And God says, watch and see. I believe he laughs at some of the things that we squirm about. We've got a good, good father. I've got this. So what do you want me to do, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I want you to put your trust in him. I want you to lay your head back on his shoulder and hear him say, I've got it. Relax. Relax. Wherever you go, just like I said, Adam, you ain't going nowhere without me. If we go all the way down, we're going together. Are you with me? And the Lord says, there ain't nowhere you're going, but I ain't going with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm holding you tight to me. I've got you. And I've got this. And I don't care what you're facing. you got to learn this. Learn to trust the Father. He's got a great, great track record, a proven record of taking care of his promises. Why do we continue to worry about a battle that the Lord says, I've got. I've got this. Um, listen, David said, Lord, do you want me to go up? If you don't go with me, I ain't even going. But if you'll go, I'll go. When will we learn that he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head with oil. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying trust Him, because He's made us some wonderful, wonderful promises. And, and, and why, though? Listen, because that that you have trusted ain't working. At the end of the bottle of brandy or Jim or Jack, whatever it is that you're drinking, and it's all gone, and the pain's still there when you get up in the morning. Huh? At the bottom of the pills, when the bottle's empty, and you're shaking and you're, you're quivering because you're having withdrawals, a good, good father says, I can be there. 
I can fix what the pill can't. I can fix what the drink can't. I'm a good father. And, I, and every good and perfect gift comes down from me. Why don't you just change your allegiance and don't strive with all your heart to get another one of these or another one of that or this or the other, but lay your head back on your father's shoulder and trust in me. Lean not to your own understanding. He goes, in all your ways acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. Why do we, why do we got to turn to him? He's the only way. You've already tried the shrinks. You've already tried the pills. You've already tried cutting yourself. You've already tried all the things that you've tried. And at the bottom of it, you're still miserable. In the end, nothing got you better. He's a good, good father. He keeps his word. I want to tell you a story. Uh, I was at the General Assembly in 1990, a few days ago. New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Superdome. Dr. Carl Richardson was preaching. And he told a story that I later developed into a message of my own. But he told a story of an eagle. And he talked about that that pair of eagles that they they nest way way up high and an eagle is a majestic bird matter, you know, matter of fact it's our national bird bald eagle beautiful creatures the, the wingspan is just incredible and they can fly higher uh than any other and they have three different eyelids and i don't remember all of the science behind it but i do know this they have one lid that does one thing and then there's another that in certain conditions, they can put that lid over their eye and everything's great. But if there is, uh, if there should be some predator in the air that can really get after them, they close that final lid and turn and fly straight toward the sun. And every other bird of prey is like, I can't look, I can't do that. Man, what a message! To turn to the sun. S-O-N, not S-U-N. but To fly to the sun. He, he preached that. Boy, I mean, the place went crazy. It was incredible. And I thought about that. I said, wow, that is just amazing. There's so many more things about these beautiful birds. and But they're born and they're ugly when they're born. Have you ever seen young birds? I used to raise pigeons as a kid and I loved it. But first few days, they're pretty ugly. Feathers hadn't come out yet and all this. And so here's mom and dad. And they're way, way, way up on a crag, a, a, a mountainous ravine right here. It's a huge valley. They nest way, way up high. And so mom and daddy's got a few eaglets here. And I, I don't remember how many they have. It's two or three eggs or whatever to hatch. But nonetheless, here they are. And mom and daddy will, you know, when the time comes and they've got their wings, They'll nudge them and they'll fall off, but they'll hang on and they won't never, they won't let go. Kind of like some of y'all having to kick them out. You know, you're already 18, 20, 25. And they won't go. And finally, one day, mama, she goes off and flies a little bit and she just comes by the nest. And with a big talent, she grabs baby eaglet and takes off soars out over that big ravine 
As she soars out over that ravine, she turns loose her talons and lets him go. And they say almost never will that eagle just open his wings and do what he was meant to do and just soar. But he'll sort of tuck up, ball up, and just fall and flail. Headed toward the earth. Just, I mean, that's what we do. I've seen people leave the airplane and just ball up, get into a fetal position, and that's it. Here's how it ends. And that little eaglet is falling and falling and falling and falling. But what you don't realize is daddy had already left and daddy was already out over the ravine circling and when he saw mama release her talons and that baby eaglet falling and not flying he looked down with those eagle eyes and went into a nosedive and just before that baby hits the ground I don't know what altitude they were at daddy opens his big talons and grabs him and soars back to the top are you with me? And old Carl Richardson preaching that said, here's the real deal, guys. Your father can fly faster than you can fall. Incredible. And why it is, I don't know when daddy takes him back. Usually they'll spread their wings and say, oh, this is what I was made for. This is what I was hats for. Are you with me? Say amen. And I want to tell you, you got a good, good father. You can trust him. I want you to stand with me if you will. Some of you here today and maybe you don't have a great relationship with your dad. Maybe he hasn't been the iconic father that he should have been. I want to ask you to forgive him. I want to ask you to go back and visit last week's message on when offenses come and look beyond him and see your heavenly father. I can never measure up to what the heavenly father is, but I try to be the best father I can be to Adam and Carly and AJ and Andrew. And now I look at my three boys trying to be the best father they can to their children and my son-in-law. And I'm simply saying this, we've got a good father. And and if I could just use myself and, and I'll, I'll use my boys, my son-in-law, I don't know, not one of their children that don't trust them. I remember when, when all of my boys were little, I'd set them up on the refrigerator. <laughs> now, moms, close your eyes and your ears for just a minute. No. I say, come to daddy. Not one time would they say, no, I don't think so. Go get mom. No. But what they do, I say, one, two, three. And they bail right out. You know why? They knew daddy was going to get them. They knew I wasn't going to step out of the way and just bam. They knew I'd never do that. But if everything in me, I'm going to do my best. I want you to learn to trust your heavenly Father. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Some of you right now, you're on top of that refrigerator in your mind. And your earthly Father's let you down. Other people have let you down. I want to tell you right now, you have a heavenly Father right now that says, come to me. Come to Daddy. Whereby we cry, 
Abba, Father. That's Daddy. I want to tell you something. We have a good, good Father. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ever think or ask. So if you're here today, and maybe you don't even know your Father, your Heavenly Father. If you don't, would you just, just by show of hands, would you just lift your hand up and write back down? Maybe you don't know your Heavenly Father. I'm not going to put you on the spot, I promise you, but I will pray for you. Is there one? God bless you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Somebody else? God bless you, honey. Somebody else? Two people. Man, that's incredible. Somebody else? Let me pray this prayer with these right now. It's simply this, and you can pray it with me if you want to pray it. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Your word says, if I believe in God and that he raised his son Jesus from the dead, then I shall be saved. For with my heart I believe and with my mouth I confess. And according to the apostle Paul writing to the Romans, I am saved. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now all over this building. I want to pray a special prayer for our dads. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, I ask you right now to meet the needs of every father that is here. There's fathers that are here right now wondering, how am I going to provide? How am I going to take care? How am I going to set an example? How will I ever do this? And the answer is simply this. Lay your head against your heavenly Father. Rest in your heavenly Father and He will make a way where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name, Lord, for every dad that is here, I pray right now. Lord, for the moms and the children, Lord, that are here, I pray, God, that they would hold up their dad in prayer. I pray that they would honor him. Lord, I pray that everyone here would honor their father on this special day. I give you praise, Lord. I give you honor for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a good, good father.